Hello and welcome to Clean Talk. I'm your host, Brad Whitchurch, and we are coming to you from HIMSS 2022 in Orlando, Florida. This is the second day of the HIMSS trade show, uh, healthcare IT trade show. Very excited to have my next guest on the show, Mike Simmel. He's an expert of Simmel Consulting. He's an expert in uh, cybersecurity, HIPAA compliance, and in uh, business continuity planning. Mike, welcome to Clean Talk. Thanks, Brad, for having me. Well, it's an honor uh, to be with you. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to have you on the show. And uh, Mike, we've known each other for a long time. But for our viewers, what more can you tell them about yourself and and uh, why you're here at Hims? So I started out in the IT business. I had a company that helped other companies. Now it would be called a managed service provider. After that, I became the chief information officer in a hospital and in a K-12 school district. Uh, my hobby while I was building my computer business was healthcare. I worked in an emergency room for three years. I traveled on the Indy car rescue team for 19 years. And then I got interested in HIPAA when it came out because it was going to regulate all the hospitals and doctor's offices when it came to cybersecurity. This was back in the early 2000s. So that was pretty, pretty revolutionary, but it tied in with my hobby and with my business. Since then, I became certified in business continuity planning, partly because when I was 15 years old, a hurricane hit our town, and I got interested in how to manage a disaster. So all of those things have come together into my consulting company, where now I combine cybersecurity, HIPAA, and other compliance requirements. And we're actually seeing more than HIPAA affecting a lot of healthcare organizations and business continuity plans. So they all overlap but sometimes they stand alone. Well, Mike, I think most of our viewers know what HIPAA is, but can you give a brief explanation on on HIPAA's privacy and security and why it's important and why people should be paying attention to the regulations and standards around HIPAA? Sure. So, Brad, I'm going to go a little bit also beyond HIPAA because we're seeing a lot of other privacy and cybersecurity laws. So HIPAA is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. It goes way back to 1996, when there wasn't a lot of automation of healthcare records. So in 2005, they came out with a security rule that secured healthcare records since then, because HIPAA doesn't cover medical information everywhere it is. That's a surprise to a lot of people who think that HIPAA protects all their medical information. That's come out in COVID where medical information held by employers, like are you vaccinated or have you had COVID is not protected by HIPAA. But because it's not, a lot of states have come up with their own state laws. So we're seeing state laws related to privacy. We're seeing state laws related to cybersecurity. We're also seeing a lot of activity between the supply chain. Now we think of the supply chain kind of in manufacturing, those car parts that couldn't come from Canada to the US car manufacturing plants. In the healthcare world, the supply is data. So the supply chain is who has your data, who has access into your systems, who do you share your data with? And now we're seeing a lot of activity between business partners where one of our clients just got a 22-tab spreadsheet to fill out that was a questionnaire from one of the big companies they wanted to do business with. And then, of course, cyber insurance. Because of ransomware, cyber insurance is really becoming a bigger compliance requirement than HIPAA for two reasons. One is that cyber insurance is literally money. And you want to make sure that your insurance policy is going to cover you when you need it. But the other thing about cyber insurance is that the insurance companies have gotten really smart 
and they don't have to go through the rulemaking process like HIPAA does. So the questions in HIPAA are 20 years old. The questions on the cyber insurance applications are new. And I just reviewed a cyber insurance application for a client. The last one they filled out was three pages. This one's 28 pages. Wow. So the world's changed. And when it comes to HIPAA, it's no longer HIPAA as the big bad wolf. It's your cyber insurance company and the business partners that are your revenue streams that want to make sure their data is secured. And when I say they don't care about HIPAA, HIPAA is not the, the most prevalent thing. Again, those questions are 20 years old and they're vague. They want to know nitty gritty how you're protecting data. Well, and of course, it's critical. Um, cybersecurity is one of the hottest topics right now and not just in healthcare because it poses real threats in our system. You mentioned ransomware. We've heard the stories about uh, hospital systems being held for ransomware. What more can you tell us about cybersecurity as it relates to healthcare and, and what should we be focused on or conscious of uh, in the cybersecurity space? So ransomware is obviously the big one. And the reason for it is that ransomware is where hackers come in and literally lock up your systems. And there aren't too many healthcare organizations that have the ability to continue functioning. So there are some fairly recent stories. Scripps Health in San Diego last year had their systems down for almost four weeks wow. after a ransomware attack. And they literally had people the first few days in the parking lots pointing ambulances to go to other hospitals. Oh my so gosh. It, it absolutely affected life and death. But the other thing about ransomware is that it's expensive. It can get you in a lot of trouble. So Wood Ranch Medical, which is a small clinic, people in small clinics don't think that these things apply to them. But a small clinic in Simi Valley, California, went out of business after a ransomware attack, just shut down. So it's really important. Don't be afraid of it to the point of paralysis, but make sure that you're deploying good security and where Doctors often don't like to invest in security because it doesn't bring them a direct return on investment like a medical device might. It's the protection against losing everything. Now, you mentioned cybersecurity insurance. Is that the, the solution here? If you have a ransomware attack, if you're properly insured with cybersecurity insurance, are you? Are, does that solve your problem? Well, Brad, I'm sure you have life insurance. Does that solve your problem for staying healthy? No, yeah. of course not. Sorry, it's not keeping me alive. So it might be worth more dead alive. than alive. Uh, well, possibly. But what I'm getting at, I'm just being a little flippant here, but what I'm really saying is insurance is kind of the last line of defense, just like your life insurance. You're providing for your family and, and you buy insurance in case suddenly you're not there anymore, that your family doesn't lose their, their style of living or their, you know, everything that they sure. own. Cyber insurance is the same way, but it's not the alternative to doing the right things. We're talking to people in healthcare. When you go to the doctor, the doctor examines you and comes up with a diagnosis and a treatment plan, but you still buy life insurance and you buy life insurance for an entirely different reason. So you want to stay healthy, but you want to make sure that your insurance is the last resort that will cover the cost of something really bad happens. The last line of defense. Yes. Well, good. Well, you also are involved in business continuity planning. Can you tell us what you're doing in that regard and why that's important? Sure. So business continuity planning is exactly what it sounds like. It helps businesses continue and it's different than disaster planning. 
disaster planning is you have a disaster, some sort of a major disruption. And disaster planning is literally, how do you get back to the point you were before the disaster? Business continuity planning is harder. It's how do you stay alive? And in this case, how does the business stay alive in the meantime? So how do you deliver your products and services when your systems are down, when your people are affected? And we've done business business continuity planning for years, and people always think of a disaster as being a hurricane or a tornado. We knew a pandemic was coming. It was just a matter of time. So we were building business continuity plans in the early 2000s that had pandemic planning in them for things like smallpox, for things like H1N1, bird flu, SARS. We didn't know the name COVID, but COVID is a variation of SARS. So our clients were prepared. I'll also tell you, they thought it was crazy when we were talking about it. What would the impact to your business be if your 30 to 40 or 50% of your workforce couldn't come to the office? And we had executives just rolling their eyes. Now we're two years into COVID. We're all living that exact situation, right? That, what, third week, second or third week of March 2020, they all found out the hard way that they had to function and many weren't prepared. The ones that were prepared, it was just a speed bump in the road. The ones that weren't prepared came to a screeching halt until they were able to get computer systems to people's homes, connectivity, get set up for Zoom meetings, learn a new phrase that we didn't really use before, you're on mute. So it really changed things. Right. Well, we're in the middle of the pandemic now. You're focused on... uh, HIPAA compliance, cybersecurity, and disaster planning and continuity planning, right? And so what are you hoping to accomplish here at HIMSS? Mike, we've known each other a long time. I know you come to a lot of HIMSS shows. I've been seeing you at these shows for a number of years. What's the goal here this year uh, at HIMSS 2022? So technology is changing. And even for businesses that aren't in healthcare, everything's moving to the cloud. So I've come here really to look at different solutions to help our clients. We advise on their cybersecurity and their compliance, and many of them are trying to figure out how do we move from the old on-premise system, servers in the server closet, or servers in the data center that they manage up to Microsoft's cloud and other cloud solutions. A lot of the electronic health record systems have already moved to the cloud, but we've got clients that still have servers in the server closet. So we're here talking to the vendors on behalf of our clients, figuring out what the projects need to be, because it's more than just handwriting on the wall. Even the vendors are saying that they're not going to be supporting on-premise solutions for much longer. There's a misconception here when it comes to the cloud, because a lot of doctors and, and practice managers and people in healthcare think, well, if we don't have servers anymore, we don't have to worry about cybersecurity because everything's in the cloud. We remind them that the endpoints they use, the computers and the keyboards that they're typing into are their entry to the cloud. So so with Seal Shield, you're the endpoint to the endpoint. You're literally what somebody's touching to get into the computer to get to the cloud but everything needs to be secure and safe. So you can't ignore those endpoints. If you hack an endpoint, if a hacker hacks your computer, they got to your cloud. 
So this has become a big issue. We still have a lot of people working from home. Some of them are working on personally owned devices that the kids are using to surf the internet. How do you secure that device so that the doctor or the biller, for example, a lot of billers are working from home now because they don't need to be in an office anymore. They don't need to see patients. How do you secure that computer? And even if it's a business computer, it's on the home network. How do you protect the business computer on the home network from being infected by the other systems? Well, these are all great points. I'm going to put you on the spot, Mike. If you could give one cybersecurity tip to all our viewers out here, what would be the one thing that we should all go do today that's easy to do that will help protect us on these cybersecurity threats? Is there is there one thing that is easy for us to accomplish? There, there's never one thing, but here's the one thing. Look at the NIST cybersecurity framework, the National Institute of Standards and Technology. It's a federal agency. They publish free guidance on securing data. And the NIST cybersecurity framework actually has 98 things in it. That's why I'm I'm not giving you just one. But if you implement that, you can protect your organization in multiple ways. One is that it's 98 things to do to secure data. You're probably not doing all 98 now. So you're going to have better security and your data will be protected. The other thing is that in early January of 2021, a new law was passed that said that If you implement the NIST cybersecurity framework and you can prove you've done it for 12 months, it gives you protection against HIPAA audits and HIPAA penalties. Really? So there's a HIPAA benefit for doing it. The other thing that's going on is that three states so far, Ohio, Connecticut, and Utah, have passed what they call affirmative defense laws. And they say that if you implement the NIST cybersecurity framework and then you're sued after a data breach and data breaches bring lawsuits. If that happens to you and you can prove you've implemented the NIST cybersecurity framework, the jury has to consider that you've done the right thing. So we're expecting more states to implement that type of law. So the one thing that I would recommend is to implement the NIST cybersecurity framework. That is a great tip, Mike. I really appreciate that. I know our viewers do as well. I did not know that. And uh, we're, we're very familiar with NIST. We work with them on standards around our technology. We're going to check out the cybersecurity standards published by NIST. My guest today has been Mike Semmel. Mike, so glad to have you on Clean Talk today. We're really uh, excited to have you joining us here at HIMSS, second day of HIMSS 2022 in Orlando, Florida. Be sure to join our community at cleantalk.tv. And until next time, I'm your host, Brad Whitchurch, reminding you to keep it clean. Welcome to another episode of Clean Talk. I'm your host, Brad Whitchurch, and we are coming to you from HIMSS 2022 in Orlando, Florida. I've got with me here, Joelle, and Joelle, uh, really happy to have you on the show today. You know that Clean Talk is an infection control platform, but we're here at HIMSS talking about IT technology for healthcare. And uh, I understand you're an influencer and an expert in the wearable space. What can you tell us about yourself and, and why you're here today? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Bradley, I'm truly excited to be at AIMS. It's my first Teams. Also, it's nice to connect with people in person. Uh, basically, uh, my name is Joe Bukes. I'm a wearables expert. I'm a digital health global influencer. I have a social media uh, audience. Also, I like to start the conversations around healthcare, different subjects. I'm not an expert in disinfection control. 
but also I know a little bit about healthcare and I'm very passionate around wearables. So yeah, interested to know a bit more about what you guys are doing. Very interesting what you said before the recording about the open platform because I'm an, I'm a collaborator and I like to hear good ideas to bring people together to challenge and also solve big problems in healthcare. Well, you cue me up there well, because uh, for those of you that are new to the podcast, it is an open platform, an agnostic platform to help solve the problem of cross-contamination transmission infections. And we have had um, products on this show. We've had uh, thought leaders on this show in the infection control space and in healthcare IT. I understand that you are an expert in the wearable space. I think this is really interesting technology, but I must admit, I don't know much about it. For someone who's a novice who doesn't know much about wearables, what can you tell our audience? Well, I would say that wearables are here to stay. They will play a very crucial role in the healthcare of the future around uh, education, disease management, diagnosis, diagnostics, uh, prevention, uh, management of long-term conditions. I would say wearables are the game changer in healthcare because they are the vehicle to help patients, help people acquiring data and help the technology play, the, the, this case, the technologies, to bring insights that will eventually solve big problems in healthcare. So I understand uh, the theory, but where are we today in wearables? What are some common applications or products that exist today? And then where do you see the market going? Because sure. the potential is pretty much unlimited, yeah. right? So I see actually two uh, different strands to wearables. I see still the fitness, wearable, uh, wellness, more consumer market. And then I see the medical devices, the more accurate wearables that are used in the industry. And now wearables play a crucial role. Let's go to medical devices. If we have, for example, a thermometer or a, um, a blood pressure monitor, even a smart ring right. can give us a lot of the body insights and patient data, basically human insights. Uh, there are companies doing amazing work. The idea of wearables being a bracelet is a thing of the past. Now we have sensors, we have uh, smart rings, smart belts, smart shoes, different sensing technologies that bring a lot of uh, computing power and acquire data. So I would say it's a very interesting and exciting times for wearables, certainly in healthcare. And wearables are now, in my opinion, entering a new generation where uh, they're moving to being smaller, smarter, better capabilities, more reliable. But I still, I still think we have a big challenge in healthcare and making people uh, understand the true practical application because they're not wide, widely uh, used yet. The mass, uh, let's say, the, the mass adoption is yet to come. Well, I can tell you, I just realized it while I was sitting here with you, but I am actually, for the first time, using uh, Seal Shield's first wearable. Uh, this bracelet opens up the Electroclave UVC uh, disinfection device and is tracking the user and usage data through the bracelet. And uh, so this is maybe a basic application for a wearable, but one that you wouldn't have seen very recently ago. This is something we just implemented here today for the first time. So uh, uh, really relevant that you're here on the yeah. show. Fantastic. Well, well done, guys, on launching a, a product to complement and bring more value to what you're already doing. 
Right. And of course, there must be infinite applications to do similar things. But what do you see as the big picture down the road for wearables? I mean, is everyone just take healthcare? Will everyone in the healthcare setting, uh, patients and practitioners be wearing some type of standardized multifunction wearables? In the ideal world, I would say yes. As I mentioned before, we have a long way to go with the adoption. It's about 20-25% of the adult population has a wearable or intend to have one in the next six months. But in the ideal world, I would like to see wearables play a crucial role in prevention. But also, there is a piece on educational side that we need to educate people about why we're using a wearable, how to engage with a wearable, what we need to get out of the wearable, why use a wearable for fashion purposes or do I have a condition that I have to manage and I have to use a wearable. So there are many elements that they need to be considered. And I would say one long-term challenge is the long-term sustainable engagement. If you use a wearable for a period of time, you don't see the value. And I've done a 159 pages report on health wearables engagement. And the top three are long-term engagement. People don't see the value of using a wearable, the perceived value. If you don't see the perceived value, you will disengage. If you disengage, there is no data. There is no data, there is no value. Right. Well, I, I think it's very interesting. And, you know, as we said, Clean Talk is an infection control platform, first and foremost. And when we sat down, you said, well, I know a lot about wearables, but I'm not involved in infection control. And I can tell you from an infection control guy's standpoint, it has to go that way. So if you're using wearables in healthcare, they become cross-contamination points. They need to be have a cleaning protocol or have some self-sanitizing properties. And we're seeing textile prop products today uh, that are incorporating these technologies. And in fact, we had Ben Favre of Vestex the, um, on our show, and he uh, is widely using these patented fabrics that are resistant to blood and stains. They're antimicrobial and they're, they're making scrubs and healthcare grade clothes out of them. I see the future for wearables as having an infection control component around it, but you know, I'm biased. So, Bradley, but I do agree with you. You are very right. I mean, you wearables, they need to have some care associated with it. And this infection control has a lot of value because even let's say if we have a watch in, if you don't clean your watch for a year or a month, you will have bacteria on, on it. You Absolutely. Have, so, yeah, it goes hand in hand. I think you are very right. We need the blend of your products and the wearables to make sure that everything is clean inside and the value is there. I see, I see the future opportunity there for sure. What can you tell us about other markets? So here we are in Orlando, Florida at the Hymn Show. Um, I detect a slight accent. Where are you from? Where do you call home? And, and what markets do you service? Yeah, I'm a Portuguese national, I would say global citizen, based in UK for the last 21 years. I'm very interested in the North American market. That's why I'm here bringing my brand and my business to US. I would say Central Europe is very interesting, but now we're seeing some emerging markets uh, around. I'm not just talking about the Asian markets, but we're seeing uh, South America, and Middle East being very interesting markets with huge populations and also um, they need innovation, these markets. So there we go, a bit of a hint for you. 
Well, you know, we've seen in the PPE market a huge increase in demand as a result of COVID. Have you seen any impact to the wearables business or wearables technology as a result of COVID? Yeah, definitely. There are companies uh, doing studies about using wearables about predicting COVID symptoms, for example, the rise of temperature and stuff like that. For example, the Aura Ring, the Smart Ring, they're doing amazing work around that. Tell uh, us a little bit about that, because I've heard something about that. Yeah. That's kind of neat, right? Well, tell yeah. us about the yeah. Smart Ring. I actually, I use the second generation, but they have the third generation. Well, I would say the main capability, there are a lot of insights, but the sleep the sleep data is very accurate, high quality, but now they also have um, uh, data temperature standpoints and and they can do things, correlate data. So there is a lot. So of the problems. ring has sensors, it's monitoring you and the data is transmitted to an app and yeah. then you can gather all your information. Interesting. I used for my sleep, but now there are other capabilities. Certainly COVID is very worrying and uh, a lot of people like to diagnose them, uh, the symptoms before they occur. And the wearables can bring to a certain limit these capabilities. So I can only see the wearables being more and more important in the healthcare space. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I don't know if people can you show your ring because yeah. that's just a good looking ring. Yeah. And this is the gold addiction anyway. But, it, uh, a version number two. There is a new version. Now. And this is monitoring your blood pressure or your your temperature no uh, temperature they got uh sleep activity data and sleep data at the moment but the new generation got more capabilities with new features around uh, primarily around the uh, heart rate it's got also heart rate variability so you can measure heart rate and temperature and it potentially indicates symptoms that exactly that's fantastic yeah that's fantastic the so wearables in his own right my vision is that the wearables can change the world and yes. i believe they can so, absolutely well joao we really appreciate you being on the show today thank you for coming on clean talk until next time i'm your host brad witcher reminding you to keep it clean